Welcome back to Equality and Elevation, where we talk about the dynamic intersection of feminism and architecture, unearthing stories, perspectives, and groundbreaking designs that shape an inclusive and equitable built environment. I'm Flossie. And I'm Lily. And together, let's explore the transformative world of feminisms in architecture. Hello everyone, welcome to our first episode. So today we're going to be talking about feminist conversations in practice. Um, Why is it important to have these conversations? What kind of changes do they make to a practice environment? What do we actually even need to be discussing in practice? What's appropriate in a work environment to talk about? And how these can help make practices a bit more feminist? Yeah, so I think that it helps you design with a more inclusive uh, lens and you think about other people's experiences a lot more when you think about feminism and it also gives you like a privilege check so you know you can see your privilege and how it's different to other people. Yeah privilege is definitely something we're going to be touching on because I feel like it's a big thing especially for you and me as like middle class white women it's easy to sometimes get bogged down and not think about your privilege especially in a practice environment or any work environment really really, where there's promotions up for grabs or like projects up for grabs and you have to think about like how much is my privilege influencing whether or not I get these Um, obviously Lily and myself are both architecture students at the moment so we don't have to worry about any of this but I do think it's a good thing to start thinking about even if you are an architecture student listening what kind of changes can I make now in my architectural education that are going to be helpful in practice if I want to practice in a feminist way? So in our feminist atelier in studio, we have feminist conversations sometimes and our, one of the tutors, she has like pointers uh, and we discuss in groups like specific topics to try and get the conversation of privilege and looking at other people's lives and how they're different to yours and how you should design to make it your designs inclusive for more people. So one of the first topics that we covered early this year in our studio was from another podcast actually, um, uh, The Guilty Feminist where they talk about guilty feminist confessions so they open each episode with a guilty feminist confession so I suppose today we're sort of um, stealing a little intro bit from the guilty feminist but it's a really really fun funny podcast I would definitely recommend if you have a chance to go over and listen Um, it's not about architecture it's just about feminism um, and being a guilty feminist which I think is really really interesting really really funny So in our studio earlier in the year, as I mentioned, Lily and I did Guilty Feminist Confessions and honestly, it was actually hilarious. I think Lily would agree. Yeah, like a lot of people, like the tutors all got involved. Everyone had like a funny little uh, thing about, like for example, uh, one of mine was I'm a feminist, but I use it as an excuse to be lazy. So like not shaving and things like that because I can just be like, oh, I'm a feminist, it's fine. Yeah, there were definitely some really funny ones and um, kind of the idea of a Guilty Feminist Confession, if you haven't listened to the Guilty Feminist podcast, is sort of something, I mean the clue's really in the name, it's a Guilty Feminist Confession, right? But it's maybe something that you do which feels a little bit unfeminist, not to say that that doesn't mean that you're not still a feminist, uh, but just something that feels a little bit cheeky, a little bit feeding into the patriarchy, a little bit the vibe of it's not what you can do for the patriarchy but what the patriarchy can do for you um so mine for example was 
I'm a feminist, but I really don't like taking the bins out. Like, that's a blue job. That's a man's job. I don't know if any other families have that kind of saying. Um, in my family, we have blue jobs and pink jobs. And look, I know it's not feminist. I know it's not. But we we do do that. Um, and having those kind of conversations in practice, I think, is really important. Um, to kind of be really transparent with people, teach everyone that you're not perfect. You know, no one's perfect. Yeah, it's definitely very important because everyone has something that they're not necessarily, you know, happy about, but they do it anyway, or they'll be like, just use things as an excuse. This is all in life. Like people will be like, oh, uh, I don't agree with capitalism, but sometimes you do take advantage of things like that. Still gonna use my Amazon Prime. but yeah, definitely it's it's good to talk about and to be really transparent in that way and let everyone know that, you know, we do make mistakes. Another one of the feminist conversations that we had in our studio, which I felt like was really, really interesting, was actually about pronouns. And I think that this comes into the workplace, Lily and I were saying earlier, quite a lot. So I know that it's quite common now for people to put pronouns in their email signature. Um, but... I think there's also things that we can do as individuals to help normalise this. Yeah, by just like introducing one another, if you include your pronouns, it helps meet people for if they aren't necessarily assigned at birth with their gender then they, or whatever pronouns they use, then you can like get to know the, them for who they are and it doesn't feel like they have to do it on purpose because you're doing the same thing as well yeah and on top of that Lily and I should probably actually tell you what our pronouns are now that we've said that not to be a hypocrite so I'm Flossie um, and my pronouns are she her I'm Lily and I'm pronouns also she her but to be honest sometimes I'm just like it's flexible it doesn't matter like I'm not that bothered yeah I think um even like if you are an Arctic student like Lily and myself having these kind of conversations in the studios. So when you are maybe in a new studio, um, talking to your colleagues and your peers and saying, you know, when you introduce yourself, these are my pronouns. It encourages others to do the same as well. Like Lily said, um, someone may not feel comfortable doing that in certain situations. So even if your pronouns are the ones that were assigned to your birth or your gender is what was assigned to your birth and you have kept the same pronouns your whole life, still introducing yourself with your pronouns is really important because it shows that how someone looks does not does not dictate what their pronouns are and i think that's really really important that we stop assuming what people's pronouns are you know yeah it also just normalizes sharing your pronouns or even just sharing your gender just sharing something so people get to know you a little bit and can not make assumptions like Fossey said. Absolutely. So one of the other topics that we covered in these feminist conversations was privileges and times when you may have experienced discrimination. So I think that this is a really interesting topic to talk around architecture specifically. Of course, we can talk about it in the workplace when it comes to, like I mentioned earlier, promotions and things like that, getting projects. But I do think that there are other privileges more specific to architectural practice that some people may not notice. For example, if you are a single mother walking through the city with a pram, or if you're a wheelchair user navigating the city on your wheelchair, there are certain privileges that able-bodied people or people who don't have to walk around with a pram definitely have. And there is something we'll talk about more in the future. Uh, But Lily, do you want to touch on that a bit more? Yeah, so I also think 
as well as that it's like things like transport can be quite not as inclusive because if you think about it there's usually one or maybe two spaces for wheelchairs and prams and it's a lot of people just can't get on the bus because there's already someone there and also just in general bus routes are quite not really made for a lot of people and it can be quite make you spend more money because you have to go on more buses just to get where you want to go. Yeah, the transport thing is definitely an interesting thing to talk about and maybe if we get the chance we'll do another episode about that later on because it's definitely really related to architecture and sort of city planning and urban design. Uh, It's something I'm really, really interested in, this idea of like the radial design of most cities with sort of the roads going out on like a spoke um, from the centre and how that feeds into public transport can be really, really unequal, to be honest, unequal. Um, So definitely something interesting to talk about. And I think it's important to have these conversations about privileges that you personally have experienced or discrimination that you personally have experienced when you're practicing. Because for example, if you're in a team uh, for studio when you're at university or if you're in a team when you get a job, if your team is, for example, predominantly white men and you're the only, say, woman or like minority group person in the team it's really important that you can tell the people that you're working with oh the other day I had this experience where I couldn't get my pram up on the pavement and I was like stuck in the middle of a road with my kid in the pram and it was really hard it was really difficult and if you're telling other people about these experiences that you personally are having it brings it to the forefront of the mind and they might say you know what I never thought about that I have never had to navigate the city with a pram and now I'll know to design pavements with lots of egresses for people to be able to get up. So it's things like that that make it so, so important to have the conversations, I think. I actually have a funny story about being discriminated against. I wasn't offended by it because the situation, but I was walking through a park and I had a bag which had like the pride flag on it. And as I was walking through, this kid obviously sees the bag and he shouted, ooh, LGBT at me. I was not offended in any way, but I was more thinking like, oh, that kid's been told that that's bad. Like, he's not thought that himself. There's no way. It kind of reminds me of your project, to be honest, Lily. And this is something that, again, I know I'm repeating myself sounding like a bit of a broken record, but we will talk about it again in a later episode. Um, We've got lots of plans for episodes. But it's why spaces like queer spaces for example or women's only spaces are really important because like obviously in that situation Lily was okay and she wasn't sort of offended by it or anything but some people really don't feel safe in situations like that they don't feel safe you know having like an LGBTQ flag on their bag or wearing LGBTQ flags on their clothes or whatever it is or even I mean there's so many other ways that people get discriminated against for what they're wearing and for how they look but I guess the point that I'm trying to get at is there are so many situations in which people don't feel safe and that's why often you hear the argument of like, oh, well, like a women's only space is discriminating against men because then men don't feel like they can go there. And it's like, it is one thing to feel like you can't go to a space, but it's another thing to feel like every other space that you occupy is unsafe and was not made for you. And I think recognising that kind of difference is 
really really important um, and is you know it's why it's important for like like Lily telling her story just now however much of like a funny story it was in this situation like it's really really important so it reminds me of an Instagram post I saw it's just like a little illustration someone had done and it was like a, the first picture was like just general like the normalized society just navigating normal and then like I think it was based I don't remember what it's fully I think it's based on queer people but it was like queer people on the outside being like oh I don't belong here so then these queer people make their own space but then the rest of the society is like oh but why aren't we allowed there and then they take over the space and then it's like well then the space you made for yourself was then taken away just because they thought that they were just being discriminated against yeah it's ridiculous and I think like it's just really important to try and actually flip the perspectives you know when people are saying well now I feel like I can't go somewhere is that actually the same as someone feeling genuinely unsafe you know I think they're two very different perspectives and while they're both completely valid it's important to think about how we can create spaces for everyone you know like we want everyone to be able to be everywhere and to be able to be safe but sometimes some sacrifices have to be made in the name of feeling safe and actually being safe as well so the other thing I wanted to talk about was this idea that you have to recognise your privileges, basically, and that if you're somebody who can say that you've not been discriminated against very frequently, or even if there are times when you can actually say that you've had a certain characteristic or a privilege that has worked in your favour, talking about those is really, really important as well, because that does still change, I think, how we design spaces. So I, for example, am a white middle-class woman, and that affords me loads of privileges and I feel like it also gives me a bit of a responsibility to give space for less privileged people to talk. Yeah I feel like when we had this conversation in studio it like did open my eyes up a bit to like people especially like people we're talking about the police for example and I've never personally experienced anything like bad with the police but I do have my reservations because I've other stories like on the internet or just from stories like people told me in that studio session where I was just like, I just, it's never happened to me, so I just don't think about it. But then as soon as you hear someone's story, you're, you're like, wow, this actually happens. Yeah, the police one is definitely an interesting thing, actually, because I know, so before our studio sessions where we have these feminist conversations, we get notified about what the conver- what the conversations are sort of going to be about and what the questions are going to be beforehand. And the week before we had this conversation that involved, uh, you know, the question, how do you feel about the police? There was lots of protests going on in Manchester, which is where Lily and I go to university, around the conflict that's happening in Israel and Palestine at the moment. Obviously a really, really awful situation. And I was walking down the street and I saw a protest that was blocking the road and there was lots of police vans, lots of policemen, policewomen walking around and my first thought was, oh I guess they must be here to keep the protesters safe in case there are any sort of uh, radical groups that might be out to get them or harm anyone or anything. Um, And I feel like the fact that I was even able to have that thought is such a privilege. So I'm not necessarily the biggest fan of the police either, but I'm also lucky enough, like Lily, to say that I've not really had any of my own negative experiences with them. And I really feel like that shows in my knee-jerk reaction, like the knee-jerk thought that I had being there around to keep these people safe rather than these they're a danger, you know? Because that is the situation, that the reality of a lot of people's first thoughts 
Yeah, you hear a lot of stories about, especially like the big, very big protests they're having in London about the Palestine situation, and like the stories that come out about like the police brutality, about like even to children, just because they went to this protest is like just insane. Yeah, it's horrendous. And it is stories like that that I think make us wary of the police. But I think, I guess that's why it's important to be if you're someone in a privileged privileged position where you haven't had a negative interaction with police, it's really important for you to take a step back and notice that and then say, like, I am in the position where I can help give a voice to people who have had a negative interaction with the police and help kind of use my privilege in that way to, you know, hopefully start to make the situation better. It's not like we can save the world just yet, but we'll try our best. Yeah, you can touch on the police again. Like, I, one of my modules is queering architecture, and it's a lot into, like, the history of, like, queer spaces. And there was one text we had to read um, about the development of Gay Village in Manchester, and there was a lot on that about police brutality to queer people. Now, I feel like it has... It's not... A, as much a thing anymore but there still will be people who have uh, been discriminated by by the police just for being queer um and i didn't until i read that i was like it, like the extent of what it used to be like is insane and like how the shift in just what heteronormativity and the shift in it's not never going to be a, like a perfect world, but the fact that it's more accepted now to be queer, that that shifted the perspective of a lot of the police and just in general, a lot of like society. Yeah, definitely. I agree with all of that. Um, so in conclusion, I definitely feel like I, myself and Lily are obviously very lucky to be in a very feminist studio and be able to have these conversations regularly. But I know that talking about how important they are reminds me that I need to take them forward into practice even when it's really really difficult even when it feels like oh god I'm in a room full of men like I don't want to talk about these situations where I've been discriminated against um recognizing the privilege that I have in that situation as a white woman and as a middle class woman and as someone who's relatively well spoken and able to sort of articulate myself it's really really important for me to have those conversations as best as I can so I definitely know that I'll be bringing that forward yeah definitely it's just even moving on into the working world making sure that people of all generations are having these discussions and trying to just create a more inclusive environment for everyone to be safer in yeah absolutely so thank you so much for listening we will see you next week bye from me bye